You're on. 2024, guys? Can that be right? Because I'm still writing 2023 on my podcast. Anyway, it's a new year, and uh, we're off to a rocky start, as you can tell, but we're happy you've joined us for another trip around the old sun. This is Election Profit Makers, broadcasting live from planet Earth. You see, friends, every year, the Earth makes one full rotation around the biggest star in our galaxy, which is called the sun. (laughs) The star, that is, not the galaxy. You know her by the name Milky Way. Anyway, we take one year and we go all the way around the sun. And when we're right back where we started I from, thought the that's... Sun was, I thought the sun was local. Hmm? Don't we have a local sun and a local moon? What? Isn't that what the flat earthers believe? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. But now I'm all worried right. that you're doing a joke, right? But yeah, you've made me I'm nervous that I did something wrong about the sun. No, no, no. You you were saying it's right, but I've gotten really into flat eartherism lately. Oh, that's what you did over the holidays. Because Twitter's broken and I, you know, clicked on some crazy flat earther and now it's just showing me flat earth stuff. And uh it is fascinating. Sorry. Go go ahead. Sure, let me just uh, launch back into my opening yeah. uh, improvised yeah. comedy monologue. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you think right. the, earth the earth is, is, is fl- round, if you it's think curved. the earth is as flat as a pancake, I've got some breakfast sausage to sell you. How about that? That works. Twenty twenty four. There's plenty more in twenty twenty four. That could be our that could be our new theme song. There's tw- there's plenty more in twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four. It just means more. Twenty twenty four. You whore. What about that? A little edgy. It's provocative. I wonder if when we get speaking, when we look ahead to the events of 2024, I wonder if when President Joe Biden and ex-president Donald Trump meet on the debate stage, if Biden will will call Trump a whore. Wouldn't that be incredible? (laughs) (laughs) That would make headlines across the across the Uh, nation. Yeah. In fiery debate, Biden transgresses, crosses another line. President Biden on Tuesday night referred to his rival, former President Donald Trump, by a word not usually heard on the debate dais, dais, or whatever that fucking stupid word is. Dais. 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 He called him a filthy whore. What? Oh, he added in filthy? Yeah, that was a little bonus thing I just threw in. Punching it up. 2024, we got to put the pedal to the floor. It's all about revving these engines, John. We've got to give our listeners more of what they crave. Hot, provocative talk from Kid Midas and Long John Silver. That's what they signed up for, and that's what we aim to deliver in 2024 and all the years, millennia, and eons to come. One year at a time. Anyway, John, it's the new year, and traditionally, that means, I think we did this last year. Is this when we made our bingo cards? What do you, what's everyone's feeling about doing bingo cards? Should we do that again, or should we not do bingo cards? Bingo cards. What should we do vis-a-vis bingo cards? Yes, and did... I, I I think it may have been two years ago. I think you're right. Man, time flies. Yeah, because it was all about – my stuff was all about Jasmine Beach Ferrara and stuff. Yeah. So it was two years. It was getting ready for the 2022 midterm elections. That's what it was. So maybe it would be something that we we do every other year is the bingo cards. But that would mean it's time for bingo cards. Bingo cards. It would mean that it's time for bingo cards. But so last time the bingo cards, we did them in sort of an – ironic way um many of the things that we put on the bingo cards were things that see if i still have my bingo there card. was you no keep talking i'm gonna look and that see they it. were gonna happen 
um, which was humorous and made for some good content. But in terms of actual predictions, um, I'm wondering if we should be more serious this time. Hold on, I'm getting my. I'm looking to see if I still have my bingo card. Okay. Pulling it out. I definitely do not have mine. Looking at my election profit makers file. Yeah, I have my bingo card. Okay, let's see here. You have a file. Yeah, I'm organized. I like filing. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a row and a column. So the row was Nancy Pelosi, Pedals, J.D. Vance, MAGA, and Hollywood. And the column was COVID, Elon Musk, AOC, and North Carolina politics. And then for every square, it would intersect. So the intersection of Pedals and Elon Musk was Tesla sues a boutique pedal company for making a fuzz pedal shaped like the Cybertruck. Oh, I'll put that back in the file. No one needs to hear my hilarious jokes. <laughs> But the point is, yes, these bingo cards were ostensibly hilarious rather than truly predictive. Like if you were going to do more serious things, I think this year, one of the things that I would like to predict is that Twitter is going to make a resurgence hmm. and because that Elon Musk is going to lose control of it to a new buyer. So these are serious bingo card topics now. Yeah, that's that's... You're not trying to be clever like Elon Musk will lose Twitter because he'll... Because he'll drink so much energy drinks he forgets to renew the domain name and then he poops in his diaper and and dogecoin designer eats the poop or something yeah okay not like that okay not hilarious like that yeah like there will be violence uh, leading up to the 2024 election now we're talking yeah that's fun yeah so i would not put on my bingo card joe biden will call donald trump a whore from the dais, from the di- that word is truly going to be the end. Let me look this word up real quick. The dais, the dais, dais, a low platform for a lectern, seats of honor, or a throne. A dais. Joe yeah. Biden will call Donald Trump a whore from his dais. <laughs> dais nuts. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our first five alarm banger of 2024. Yeah. Wow, he really did it. Anyway, so what should we do about bingo cards? We can't do it right now because we haven't prepared for it. Maybe next week we present our bingo cards. I don't know if I want to do a serious bingo card, though. It's going to be a bummer. Okay. I think some bad stuff might happen this year. Yeah. I I, I have a bad feeling about this year. Really? Because of the election? Yeah. Yeah. Major election. Presidential election. Major election. election. Win or lose. Going to not be good. John, what caused the Civil War? The Civil War was about people who wanted tradition mm-hmm. and people who wanted change and people and the government shouldn't step on our freedoms. It was about freedom. Did you listen to Nikki Haley's actual response? It's crazy. It's like 20 yeah. times more generic than the word salad that you just produced. Yeah, it's something it's, it's wild. sort of like that. Yes. I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run the freedoms and what people <laughs> could and couldn't do. And then she asked the questioner, what do you think the cause of the Civil War was? That's good pedagogy right there. Yeah. Aristotelian in her, in her uh, conversational skills. All right. Why don't we start the episode? Okay. We 
had at one in a previous, you know, there's all these like crazy scandals going on with all these school board maniacs. There was that Where one. Where are you in, getting all this stuff? There was that one thing in Florida that we had discussed and then I cut it because it was just too, too disturbing. It got, it was too dark because there was stuff about um, sexual assault in it. The guy whose wife was on the was one of these moms for liberty people in Florida, and wasn't he like the state GOP chair? And then they had a threesome and filmed it, and then he allegedly assaulted the person in their menage a trois or something. It's yeah, like really, it was uh, really uh, a bummer. Yeah, not fun to talk about. But there's a new one that's a little more fun out of Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. this is just all American fun. This feels like. Um, well, I'll just um, let me read. Can I? I'm just. Can I read this to you from this is the, you know that magazine Mother Jones. This is their yeah. summary of what happened. A Pennsylvania mom connected to the conservative so-called parental rights movement is facing criminal charges of assault, harassment, and furnishing minors with alcohol, according to a case filed in October and reported on by the USA Today Network's Philly Burbs. Bucks County's Clarice Schillinger, Clarice. a 2022 GOP candidate for lieutenant governor, was charged with punching a teenager during a late September birthday party for her daughter at her home in Doylestown. Schillinger's lawyer denied the charges and said she would go to court. According to documents in the case, including an affidavit, of, an affidavit another word I hate, of probable cause, Schillinger was hosting her daughter's 17th birthday party on September 29th with 20 teenage guests. The celebration, <laughs> this is a great phrase. This is when you know the story's about to get nice. The celebration took place in a basement with a well-stocked bar. I love a basement celebration. Witnesses told authorities that Schillinger allegedly poured liquor for the minors, asked them to take a shot with her and played beer pong with them. Under Pennsylvania state law, it is illegal to give alcohol to a minor. The documents also state that Schillinger's boyfriend at the time, quote, allegedly grabbed a 16-year-old by the neck for intervening in a fight between the couple and hit a 15-year-old in the face during an argument, John, over football. Nice. According to the allegations in court papers, her intoxicated mother also punched the older teen in the eye. This kid, poor kid's getting thrashed. And chased him around the kitchen island. Police said they had cell phone recordings of some of these reported events. Footage showed that Schillinger, quote, lunged towards a guest who told the police she punched him three times without injuring him, according to the affidavit. That's the guest getting a little zing on her on her weak ass right hook. <laughs> the Philly Burbs found in court records that, that this was not the first report of underage partying at Schillinger's rented house. In other alleged incidents, the police saw beer cans around the property and several teenagers darting into the house. When they tried talking to Schillinger, she was, quote, intoxicated and uncooperative, according to an affidavit. She is scheduled for a hearing in January. Quote, Miss Schillinger has dedicated her life to public service, her attorney Matthew Brittenberg said in a statement to the publication. Quote, additionally, she has always been a law-abiding citizen. Miss Schillinger looks forward to the opportunity to defend against these allegations. I'm telling you, man, these these school board women are a menace. Yeah. A basement celebration ending in adults wailing on children, in part because the teenager tried to intervene in a fight between the couple. We got to ban these books. Because mm -hmm. what if Winnie the Pooh is queer? You know? Yeah. 
the uh, it's something. It's there's much to ponder. I think here's my prediction for 2024, John, and you can put this on my bingo card. 2024 will give us much to consider. There's got to be something going on psychologically with the people who want to sit on the school board and ban books, and then are also having basement celebrations that end in fistfights, uh, encouraging teenage underage youth to get drunk, and then down in Florida having uh, threesomes that are videotaped and then also potentially rapes. Yeah. What what is it? What is well, John? What is it about the human animal? It it is the only animal that can blush, and also the only animal that can be a whore. Isn't that what Mark Twain is, said? No. Oh no. Uh, is that true? The blushing thing that feels like something that people would say is true, and then probably isn't true. Well, given that Mark Twain has apparently said it, and he lived over a hundred years ago, science has probably <laughs> yeah. science has probably found plenty of animals that can blush probably. at this point, right? Yeah. I'm sure dolphins can blush. Aren't dolphins right. super smart? Absolutely. Turning now to our predicted portfolios, John, there's big news in the world of President Trump not being on ballots. How is that? That sounds correct to me. Um, it's sort of it's a, it's confusing. We've got Colorado that came in and said that he's not going to be on the GOP primary ballot and the general election ballot, to which I didn't really care because he's not going to win Colorado anyway. But then Maine came out a few days ago. Maine came out of nowhere. Yeah. So Maine came out and, and, and their secretary of state has determined on her own that he also, also will not qualify by her definition of what an insurrection is. She did say that she said it would have been more helpful if it had been decided in a court of law. Mm. But since it hasn't, she will make the determination on her own. And she's a Democrat. So therefore, some people would argue that she's biased and that she's trying to keep him off the ballot for partisan reasons and not necessarily because she believes uh, in the legal case. Vivek Ramaswamy, the famous rapper, has said that he will also not appear on the ballot in Maine in solidarity with Donald Trump. That is very brave of him. Uh, California defied uh, conservatives' conspiracy theories by allowing President Trump to remain on the ballot. California did, did not deny President Trump his space on the ballot. And I believe Minnesota as well, although it's not clear if they just didn't rule and they, they sort of left it open. They said they wanted to hear more information. So it's possible. I don't know if that's the case in California, but I think so in Minnesota that they may still reserve the right. Meanwhile, the Iowa caucus is two weeks away. Trump at 50, DeSantis at 18.4, Haley at 15.7, Ramaswamy at 6, and poor old Chris Christie at 3.7. Looks like Trump is going to win the Iowa caucus. And when I click on the predicted link, this is actually, John, one of the few new markets on predicted. You know how we've been complaining that predicted is kind of dead? Yeah. They do have an Iowa market. The Iowa, cauc the Iowa GOP caucus winner. Donald Trump at 92 cents, Ron DeSantis at 9 cents. Yeah, God bless that everyone. seems worth it. God bless everyone buying Ron DeSantis. Vivek at 2 cents, Mike Pence at 1 cent, Tim Scott, God love you, Tim Scott at 1 cent with Chris Christie. When's Chris Christie going to drop out, John? What's going on? I mean, it seemed like Chris Christie had an opportunity to drop out, but he jumped all over Haley, uh, her remarks about 
not slavery and, <laughs> and attacked her over that, um, saying that the Civil War was about slavery, which again, you know, it's that's a pretty brave thing to say in uh, Republican circles. Maybe not in New Hampshire, but in a lot of other places. So, you know, I think uh, Tom Cotton came out and, and did a total bad boy move. What did he do? Yeah, I mean, he came out and said that this, obviously that the Civil War was about slavery and it was caused by the Democrats um, who were trying to take the freedoms away from people just like they're continuing to do today. You know, that mm, was the way she right. should yeah, have yeah. answered it. Yeah. Right. You know, I just realized, John, that in addition to the first place Iowa caucus market on predicted, there's also a second place Iowa caucus market. This might be a better place to do some investing. Ron DeSantis trading at 55 cents, Nikki Haley at 38 cents, Donald Trump at six, Vivek at five. I kind of think buying Ron DeSantis at 55 cents is a safe bet. I don't think Nikki Haley is going to catch up to Ron DeSantis in Iowa. I think you're probably right. But you know, you know, I mean, the there's all kinds of weird counting in the Iowa caucuses. Yeah. And then people shuffle around and switch teams and stuff. Yeah. Maybe I'll wait on that. Maybe I'll wait on that. But maybe I maybe I will and maybe I won't. Let's let's remember to check that next week. Yeah. Okay. We've decided that this episode's going to be all over the place. So the next thing we want to talk about is a Twitter update. This is something that escaped our attention that we didn't talk about on the podcast, and we have to talk about it, which is Elon Musk's mom, who's very famous and beautiful. Uh, she's is, a model. She's Was she a model? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, she got really mad. Um, this is another article that I wanted to read. This is the New York Post, December 13th. Elon Musk's mom accused President Biden Wednesday of halting the billionaire's attempt to, quote, make this world a better place. After the Federal Communications Commission declined to give Starlink nearly $900 million in subsidies. Starlink, John, is Elon Musk's, what is it, a network of cell phone satellites? Yeah, internet access. Got it. May Musk, 75, whined that it was inexplicable how the FCC determined her son's company had, quote, failed to demonstrate that it could deliver the promised service. Here's what she tweeted. <laughs> this is so <laughs> this is such a great opening line i am the mother of at elon musk <laughs> there's only one woman in the world who can say that john and she said it i am the mother of at elon musk his goal is to make this world a better place at potus wants to stop him have you any idea how furious i am Ooh. People in other countries are proud of Elon <laughs> and, and do not. <laughs> She's right. People in other people in other that's countries. Where, that's when are, he says, you know, tell it to Earth. That's what he's talking about. People in other countries are proud of Elon and do not understand the U.S. president's motive. Please tell me how I should answer them. Now, here, hmm. now what every sentence here is polished to absolute perfection. You go straight from, I am the mother of Elon Musk, and then you end with, have you any idea how furious I am? I mean, that's almost iambic pentameter, isn't it? Have you any... No, I guess it's not. Some other kind of beautiful rhythmic thing. Have you any idea how furious I am? That's cold. That's supervillain talk, right? Yeah. 
People in other countries are proud of Elon and do not understand the U.S. president's motive. Please tell me how I should answer them. I guess what she's saying here is that the people in other countries are they love Elon so so much they can't understand why the president Biden's FCC would deny Starlink whatever pile of free money or whatever he wanted from right, them. Right. And May Musk is is absolutely at a loss as to how to explain this bewildering turn of events to the people in other countries. Did she ever get a response as to how she should answer the questions from these other people? I imagine she did. I imagine there were a lot of replies. It was just woke. It was a, the woke mind virus has corrupted Something the like FCC. That. That's right. Your son, Elon, of whom you are the mother, is a free speech fighter, and that intimidates the powers that be, so they're withholding his God-given right to all of their money. Do you follow May Musk on Twitter? Is she a good no, follow? No, I don't. Oh. I don't follow her or Elon Musk. I have Elon Musk blocked because he's one of those people that just shows up in your timeline nonstop if you don't block him. Have you any idea how furious I am? She probably, oh, she must have felt so tough when she typed that. I wish I could have something like that. I wish I could feel tough and powerful based on something I said. Do you know what I mean? Like the power of rhetoric to change your mood mm-hmm. or to or to help it kind of aid in your own self-creation. That's a very powerful phenomenon that language affords us, John. That's right. That's why you should be on Twitter. Mm. You've given that up. I did a fun project, John. Speaking of Twitter, your favorite website. On Reddit, there's a subreddit, Twitter, which is just about Twitter. Okay? It has over 400,000 users. It's a place to discuss your Twitter experience, the platform formerly known as Twitter, I guess I should say. I was bored the other day, John, so I went through and I created a compilation of posts that have surfaced on the front page of r slash Twitter. I'm going to read them all now as a sort of found, found bit of found poetry, okay? Okay. Here's some of the questions that have been posted to r slash Twitter. Is Twitter breaking regularly for others? When I open a video on the app, my sound is unmuted automatically. How do I stop this? Does anyone know how to get rid of the trends section at the right of the screen? How do I view old tweets? Timeline is not showing any of the people I follow? Where have my bookmarks gone? What are these weird Twitter accounts? (laughs) So are porn ads being pushed on the app now? What the fuck is this shit? (laughs) Is Twitter broken? How come when I go to my profile, it says I have no tweets, no retweets, or likes? How do I make these notifications stop? It's driving me crazy on a barely used account. Is there any known way to block all the spammers who make out-of-context comments everywhere? This just sounds like people that have signed up for Twitter. Why is half of my feed Elon Tesla tweets? How does this happen? The account I used to rarely post updates about my startup suddenly removed all original posts and started retweeting, liking, and replying bullshit. I never linked the account to third-party apps, and my email is not compromised. Is the media tab broken for anybody else? Why the heck does Twitter have so much Nazis on it? (laughs) That's one of the best. Scheduled tweets not working? What the fuck is wrong with Twitter's search function? Am I the only one suddenly getting a ton of gore videos in my For You page? Why is my timeline and search completely useless now? Was my account used as a bot account? I came back after a week upon leaving, and has it always been this bad? (laughs) 
Why do some people get lots of sex bots liking their tweets, but some people none at all? This person sounds jealous. <laughs> Why is there child pornography on this app? Oh, what is happening? Sorry for the horrible picture. I was so flabbergasted. This was the best I could do. And finally, John, the best post to our yeah, Twitter. I, see it. I just seen a penis on my timeline. <laughs> I don't follow porn on Twitter. I don't want porn on my Twitter. If I did, I would follow it. Why am I scrolling today and see male solo porn on my fucking screen? Show me the people I follow. What the fuck? Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's not an easy platform to understand right away. It's not that intuitive for first time users. And this sounds like a bunch of people that are just getting on Twitter for the first time. So these are not people complaining about Twitter under Elon's new regime where he's fired all the developers. These are just noobs. Twitter is totally messed up. There's way more Nazis on Twitter. There is a lot more gore um, in terms of the uh, sex bots liking tweets. That's something that's happened for a long time, I think. So when you log on, are you spending all day watching gore videos and child pornography? No, I have not seen any child pornography. Um, but yeah, sometimes some awful things. Most of the things that pop up on my line uh, timeline are like fights, you know, j- just like awful fights or 1,000 ways to die. Mm. And, you know, shows... You know, people doing stupid things and then getting run over by a car or something. It's pretty horrible. But it's still worth it because you can still see the stuff you want to see on Twitter. You still have yeah, good, follow- you still if, have good if follows. It, if I'm on the for you page, it's like you like to see people dying, you know. Mm-hmm. So, But if you go to the following page, it just shows me who I follow. So who is still on Twitter that you're following that's good? Who makes it worthwhile at this point? Jake Tapper uh, well, you know- with his... Sassy pop culture references? I, I don't think he's really there anymore. Um, you know, Matt Iglesias. <laughs> this segment is over. <laughs> no advertisers this week. We wanted to remind you that over at the Patreon, we have posted our 2023 Bad Boy of the Year bracket tournament thing that John devised, developed, and spearheaded. No spoilers. You can listen to that. I will say there is a shocking upset. Um, Yes. You can listen to that episode by joining the Patreon at patreon.com slash election profit makers. Thanks to everyone for their kind words about that end of year um, thing we did. Yeah, that was fun. We learned a lot. You know, when we do that again, I think, uh, you know, we might switch some things up. All right. It was pretty good for the inaugural one. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Let's do this UNC football update. The Mayo Bowl. I forgot all about this and I never heard a single thing about it. I was so excited that UNC was going to play in a mayonnaise themed bowl. Did it happen or did they cancel the game? No, no, it happened. Who won? UNC or the other guys? Shockingly, West Virginia won, as predicted. West Virginia destroyed Carolina 30 to 10. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah. So UNC ended up losing five of its last seven games mm-hmm. and really should have lost six of its last seven because it needed overtime to beat Duke in Keenan Stadium and it was able to beat an, you know Division II school, Campbell. So yeah, that's it. So uh, Mac Brown did not have Mayo dumped on him. The, the coach of West Virginia was able to 
have that. My ultimate fantasy to be doused in mayonnaise. Yeah. I mean, it was 90% West Virginia fans, even though the game was in Charlotte. I think Carolina fans have given up, are pretty disgusted with the way the season ended. Wow. Disgusted. Yeah. I mean, the the team started out 6-0, and was ranked number nine in the country, I believe, just ahead of Alabama. And then, yeah, went two and five in the, the final seven games. I want to talk about the college football playoffs. I don't want to talk about Carolina anymore. Oh. All right. The season's over. Carolina football will always be what it is. Eight games is as good as it gets. Um, but the college football playoffs were last night, okay, the semifinals. You had Alabama taking on Michigan in the first semifinal. And then in the second one, you had Texas taking on Washington, the University of Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Ted Cruz was at that second game. Ted Cruz likes to go to games and support the Texas teams. Sure. Because he's the senator from Texas and he loves That's Texas right. and he wears so cowboy boots. When photos of Ted Cruz started to populate Twitter, everyone was like, oh, no. Now we know what's about to happen. Anytime Ted Cruz goes to one of these games, his team loses because Ted Cruz is terrible, terrible. Oh, interesting. He has bad mojo. That's right. And Tennessee, I mean, uh, Texas was favored in this game. But lo and behold, Texas lost. And the statistics are actually pretty fascinating. Um, Sports bettors are now 15 and 2 since 2017 when betting the money line on teams that Ted Cruz shows up to support in person. So when he shows up, it's truly the kiss of death. Interesting. Yeah. So a lot of Texas fans were upset about that. I got some more stats about the college football playoffs. You got Washington won and Michigan beat Alabama. You've got two schools representing blue states in the national championship game. Interesting. They beat the red state rivals. That's right. Now, Mm. this is – that means that the national champion is going to be from someplace other than the South, and we've had nine straight national champions from the South. We've had 25 straight champions on or south of the 40th parallel, and that is going to be broken this year. And it's been 25 years since two blue state schools met for a title game. Wow. So, and the way I define a blue state is states that voted for the Democrat in the previous presidential election. So the last time that happened was in 1998, the 1998 season. And it was Tennessee beating Florida State. They were both blue back then. They were both blue states. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Huh. Huh. At least it was to me. No, that is interesting. Thank you for your insights. Football. It's going to be a woke national championship. Oh, you think anyone will write that column? I bet it's already been written. By your hero, Matt Iglesias. Time for a Hollywood update. I saw three movies recently with Starly. Starly's in town. We decided to see a bunch of movies. John, I'm going to give you my micro reviews of these three movies that are all in theaters. I can't remember the last time I saw three movies in the movie theater in one week. What a rush. American Fiction, starring the great Jeffrey Wright. Opening strong with Issa Rae making a joke about Oberlin. I pumped my fist and Starly started laughing in the theater. 
This is a satire, John, but it's also kind of a family drama uh, about caring for elderly parents. So naturally, I was interested in it because what do I love more than cutting edge satire and, and family dramas, right? Mm hmm. I haven't been this disappointed in a movie since that movie, Promising Young Woman. When I read about the premise of this movie and saw the cast, I was so stoked. I think Jeffrey Wright is such a good actor. But if you want to see Jeffrey Wright truly carry a movie, go see a movie called OG from 2018. And the satire was a little, this whole movie just felt like a trip back to the 1990s because the kind of, the vibe of this movie just felt like a mid 90s indie movie. It And it just, the, like it, what? Chasing Amy? Like, um, for some reason, the movie I kept thinking of, I don't think it's a 90s movie, but there was this movie called The Dow of Steve that was kind of a sleeper hit about a kind of about a guy who lived in Arizona and like, like found people's vans or something or like cooked pasta. I can't remember. It was just okay. like a really modestly budgeted movie. Mm -hmm. See, the issue with American fiction was it was supposed to be a satire about the publishing industry and. It's about a it's about a black guy, African-American professor of literature who writes books, but he writes books that are not like, quote unquote, black books. He writes about like ancient history and stuff. His agent is like, you need to write a black book. He's like, all right, well, I'll write the most offensively stereotypical gangsta black book ever. <laughs> Cynically, okay. he does this. And lo I and behold, it, it I like it. A good premise, right? Yeah, there's a lot you could do with that. And it becomes a it becomes a runaway bestseller. And he has to play into this. Um, <laughs> I he love has, this movie. <laughs> you might love American <laughs> fiction. It might be your, it, and the cast is good. It has um, Erica Alexander, who played the best character on Living Single. Remember, I think we talked about Living Single when we did our Patreon episode mm -hmm. about Queen Latifah movies. Anyway, Erica Alexander, if you were a fan of Living Single back in the day, she played Maxine, the the attorney who Kyle sings My Funny Valentine to in one of the greatest scenes in television history. Anyway. John, I, I, I'm going to give you some homework. Go see American Fiction. You might really like it. I would love to see it. I love the name. I love a name like this because it just sounds like it's a powerful film. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, American Beauty. Oh, right. Or, I forget. You know, You're right. It's just, yeah. It's just American fiction. You're like, not to mention our favorite is, American movie, the documentary about yes, the, the making Coven. Yeah. It sounds so definitive. It does. I love it. But that's too bad that it that it didn't live up to its name. And I'm sure the title is meant to invoke in us this sense that race is the ultimate American fiction, right? Uh, yeah. Or that America itself is based on these fictions. But the movie to me felt too diffuse. I felt like it couldn't zone in on what it was really about. Okay, let's move on. That's my first review. Second movie, May, December. This is a Todd Haynes movie. Um, best to go in not knowing much about it. Have you heard of this movie, John? No, no. Okay. I've heard I don't... of the months. But... Right. Well, and you know what a May-December relationship is, right? No. What's a May-December oh, relationship? Oh, it's um, an, age, an age gap relationship. They call that a May-December relationship. Oh, okay. Because it's usually like the husband may be dead by December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Natalie Portman is in this. Yes, and yeah, she plays- I like her. I don't want to give too much away. She kind of plays a supervillain. And my hot take is that Todd Haynes should direct the next Marvel superhero movie. John, we've talked in our past Hollywood updates about how the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm 
mm-hmm. is in crisis. The Marvel movies did not do. Oh, and I want to mention thank you to the listeners who wrote in and corrected me. It turns out John Aquaman is not a Marvel superhero. He's a DC superhero. Yeah, I should have caught that. So that was my mistake. I was confusing Aquaman with Namor, who was Marvel's right. version of an underwater man. And when I picture Namor in my mind, he's like probably one of the most sexiest superheroes ever. He absolutely smokes Aquaman because Namor kind of looked like Dr. Spock in a Speedo and he was really built. And I think he was a cool superhero. I don't think they've ever made a Namor superhero movie. If they do, I hope they'll consider me for uh, the screenwriting and the directing and the starring if I can just hit the gym. Anyway, May, December is basically about a nefarious supervillain. I'm not going to give anything else away. But Marvel sometimes gets prestige movie directors to direct Marvel movies when they want to prove that these things are art, when they're trying to satisfy Martin Scorsese's sniping at them. Oh, okay. I think Todd Haynes would be a good choice based on May, December. May, December is a good, a a really good, a really good movie. But don't, I don't want to say any more about it because I don't want to. Natalie Portman, is she, she's having this May, December relationship? I'm not going to say. I'm just going to say that watch out or is for it, Natalie Or is Portman. it a pun? It's like somebody's name, December, and you don't know what they're going to do. And it's like May, December. Oh, interesting. Tell me, is, no, is, there, is a May, there is a May-December relationship. Okay, it. it is that simple. Yeah, All right. it is that simple. Finally, I'm going to conclude with another movie that begins with the letter M and could also, like May-December, be considered a sort of twist on the on the grand American tradition of melodramatic filmmaking. This movie is made by America's greatest living director, Bradley Cooper. This movie is called Maestro. I Have you seen this movie? Do you know about this movie, John? No. Maestro. Do you know who Leonard Bernstein is? Does that yeah. name mean? Okay. The famous conductor and um, m- uh, musical musical personality of the this 20th century. This is about him? Yes. Bradley Cooper made a biopic about Leonard Bernstein. And... As stoked as I was for American fiction, I went into American fiction with such – this might just be an expectations game. I went into American fiction with very high hopes and was disappointed. I went into Maestro with very, very modest hopes. And John, I was in absolute rapture. This movie had me crying off and on through the entire second (laughs) half. Bradley Cooper is a savant when it comes to melodramatic movies about music. And just as Todd Haynes should direct the next Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, Bradley Cooper must direct the next SST Records movie (laughs) in the SST Records Cinematic Universe when they start making tons of movies about all the great SST bands of the 80s. Yeah. Not just the Minutemen and Who's Screwed and Black Flag, but when when they're making a movie about Saccharin Trust and Zoog's Rift, they need to let Bradley Cooper helm one of these movies because this guy gets... This guy films live music like nobody else. He is so, he is so, it's like Douglas Sirk meets Stop Making Sense. It's like, in, did you ever see that movie, the, A Star is Born, the movie he made with Lady Gaga? Uh, is it Lady Gaga? It's Lady Gaga. Is it really? No, I'm just kidding. I thought it was Lady it's, Gaga. It's Lady Gaga. Lady. Is it Leonard Bernstein or Leonard Bernstein? Oh, I think it's Bernstein. I thought it was Bernstein, but you know, I can't remember. Just read it, you know. It should be Bernstein, based on the way it's spelled, right? Uh. Anyway, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen A Star Is Born? No. Oh. 
Well, there's a great scene in A Star is Born when Lady Gaga, who he drags Lady Gaga out on stage to sing in public for the first time. They're like in an outdoor amphitheater and it's so freaking exciting and exhilarating. He kind of does the exact same trick in the in the Maestro movie when when Leonard Bernstein or Bernstein is conducting a Mahler piece in a church. And he kind of does the same thing where he gets these impossible shots with the camera kind of floating through the um, performance area. So you're seeing the musicians and then it turns around and you get a reverse shot of the audience. It's so freaking exciting. I started crying. I loved it so much. Bradley Cooper is number one. This movie is so freaking good. And the and the second, the first half of the movie is really bad. The second half of the movie is really good. And this dude, because Bradley Cooper, John, not only did he co-write the movie and direct it, he also stars in it. He plays Leonard. He looks exactly like, what I should say is he, in the second half of the movie, Bradley Cooper through prosthetics and, and and the best wig work ever done in Hollywood, he looks exactly like my memory of what Leonard Bernstein looked like in the second half of his life. I give this movie five out of five stars. I thought this movie was an absolute blast. I probably wouldn't have liked it if I'd seen it on the small screen, but because I saw it on the big screen, oh, it was so rapturous. And we got to give a shout out to his co-star. Carrie Mulligan, a shout out to Carrie Mulligan. She carries the movie her and her face is the last image in the movie or the back of her head. Rather, it's just a movie like people are complaining. I'm really going to get a spoiler, a little high horse about this. People are complaining that this movie doesn't deal. I just want to make sure that we didn't Uh give away a spoiler there. Oh, no, I don't think that's a huge spoiler. She's the last image in the movie. Okay, because it's kind of a movie about their it's a movie about their marriage and the type of love that they had. Right. And some people say that it avoids or elides certain things about Bernstein's career, his ruthlessness and his, poli- you know, he had the Black Panthers over once for like a get for a cocktail party or something. And that was like a huge controversy. But it also but that doesn't really matter because that's not really what the movie was about. It's really kind of just about their relationship and how they made it work. I just found it so damn fucking fascinating and wonderful. That's what I'm going to say about it. it was fucking fascinating and wonderful. It's the best movie of the year. And if you disagree, you don't know what you're talking about. How do you like that, John? If you disagree, That's, you don't know what you're talking about. I love it. That's a strong, hot take. And and you specifically like just the way he, he shoots movies about music. He's only made on. two movies, and they're both about musicians. So the next one is going to be about... They're both about musicians in relationships. What's the next one going to be about? Tom Tricoli's dog? Is Tom Tricoli's dog, <laughs> yeah. If that guy had a wife, it'll be about them. No, okay. John, his next movie could be about Mike Watt. And Kira, because they used to be married. The bass player oh, yeah. for the Minutemen used to be married to the bass player for Black Flag, and they even had a double bass group that was just nothing but bass, and it was called Dose. They're no longer together, but that there there's two musicians who were in a relationship together. Bradley and Cooper. What's the name if you're, be? Kira's if you're, got the ten. Don't call it Dose. It's yeah. perfect. Okay. Just call it All Dose because right. it's two. Right. Bradley Cooper, if you still listen to our podcast. I haven't seen your name on the Patreon rolls recently, Bradley, but if you're still listening for free, please make the Mike Watt, Kira Rosler movie. That would be such a great biopic. John and I would definitely go see that. Are you kidding? I'd be first yeah. in line. Yeah, absolutely. Because would there, would there be any flannel in that movie? Oh, <laughs> that would be so good. All right. That's All the right. Hollywood update. I saw three movies in the theaters. It was absolute blast. Movies are number one. Thank goodness. The movies are back. Or I should say I'm back going to the movies. Let's move on to listener questions, Johnny. All right. Casey writes in. Have we done this one? I can't. I don't think we did, right? 
I feel it's like hard we, to remember because this listener, Greg, this guy, has been, this guy, been so, feeding I mean, us misinformation for weeks now. And I can't remember if we've covered our ass enough with this guy. I think well, it's a psyop from a rival podcast. Let's slay him again. Casey writes in that listener Greg wasn't only wrong in equating land grant schools with flagship schools. He's also wrong in saying that Miami, Ohio is private. This is a common misconception because of the school's selectivity, relatively small size, and traditional campus aesthetic. But it is definitely public. In fact, it is considered a public ivy. So there you go. Apologies if we've already addressed this, and apologies, Greg, have. for dragging your name through the mud yet again, but you've really done us wrong, bro. You've burned us. And in the words of George W. Bush, you fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice, I won't get fooled again. That's us. Maggie wrote in, we had discussed Rochester, Minnesota, John, in some context that I can't remember. Do you remember? Great, great skyline. Is that what it was? For its size. Yeah, yeah. Right, for its size. Maggie wrote in and recommended a poem about Rochester, Minnesota, a poem by James Wright called A Blessing. And I'm going to read it, if you'll indulge me, John, because I love poetry. This is A Blessing by James Wright. Just off the highway to Rochester, Minnesota, twilight bounds softly forth on the grass, and the eyes of those two Indian ponies darken with kindness. They have come gladly out of the willows to welcome my friend and me. We step over the barbed wire into the pasture where they've been grazing all day alone. They ripple tensely. They can hardly contain their happiness that we have come. They bow shyly as wet swans. They love each other. There's no loneliness like theirs. At home once more, they begin munching the young tufts of spring in the darkness. I would like to hold the slenderer one in my arms, for she has walked over to me and nuzzled my left hand. She's black and white. Her mane falls wild on her forehead. And the light breeze moves me to caress her long ear that is delicate as the skin over a girl's wrist. Suddenly, I realize that if I stepped out of my body, I would break into blossom. That's a blessing by James Wright featuring Rochester, Minnesota. John, I just decided we're going to have a new segment in 2024. Poems about cities and skylines. Send your best poems that reference skylines specifically because there's a million poems about cities. But I'm gonna. We're gonna do this. We're gonna get into skyline poetry. Okay, great. John, we have an update from a listener about the Carolina Raptor Center. We listened to some recordings from the Raptor Center a couple weeks ago, and then we got a dispatch from another listener about the self-same institution. Yeah. John writes in. He says, I was excited to hear mention of the Carolina Raptor Center on your recent episode as it recalled a fond memory from my younger years. Although I now live in Maine, when I was in my 20s, I lived in Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, and was a volunteer firefighter for a local department. That's interesting to me. I would not think that Mecklenburg would have volunteer firefighters. Well, you think they just let their motto is let it burn? <laughs> no, if it's I'm just not a getting big paid, urban let county. It burn. Over a million people live in the county. Oh, I, I see. Think yeah, that, right, you know, yeah. There, maybe it's just like in some faraway little town on the edge of Mecklenburg perhaps. But he continues, in my five years volunteering, I never had a stereotypical cat stuck in a tree call, but I did once respond to a call for a hawk trapped in the batting cages at a local little league field. Certainly something that isn't in any of the manuals or textbooks. Arriving on scene, we found that the hawk was alone in the netted area and somewhat panicked. 
We used some rope we had on the truck to tie open the netting on one end and tried fruitlessly to shoo the bird toward the opening by waving our arms. I am sure that the display did not inspire a lot of confidence from the crowd of bystanders. Nothing we did seemed to do any more than stress the hawk out. Having no idea what we should do in the situation, our dispatcher radioed to recommend contacting the Raptor Center, which none of us had ever heard of. Smart dispatcher. A volunteer from the Raptor Center arrived promptly, and I was very impressed with their ability to safely and quickly and expertly corral the bird and take it away for assessment. And we learned later, released back into the wild. All these years later, I remain grateful that they came to our rescue that day. Wow, the Carolina Raptor Center. The rescuers got rescued oh my by God. the Raptor Center. You said it. It's given the Duke Lemur Center a run for their money when it comes to the best animal-based institution in North Carolina. Wow. Raptor Center taking no prisoners. Volunteer Fire Department. Mint Hill. Much to consider from this, from this letter from John. All right. You keep doing your Mecklenburg Volunteer Firefighter research. I'll read this next dispatch from listener Kevin. Okay. Kevin writes in to say what everyone is thinking. Thanks for your continued discussion of guitar pedals and pedal boards. And especially your last episode about what the pedal boards are made of. <laughs> Friends, finally, someone has given voice to your delight in our discussion about the materials that are used in making guitar pedal boards. Kevin says, I build decks by day and by night I am a budding noise guitarist. I made my own pedal board out of composite deck boards. Very sturdy and it should last me a long time. So at first when I saw decks, I assumed he meant skateboard decks. But looking at this pedal board. He means like outdoor decks, like like uh, porches or patio decks or decks. You know what I mean when I say deck, John? You yeah. Got, you got your sliding glass doors and you sit on your deck? Right. So Kevin sent us this picture of his deck, and it looks nice. It looks like a deck with, with a bunch of pedals on it. But, John, you were asking about how you attach the pedals. Can you notice that in the middle of this deck there are strips of black Velcro? Can you see that? Yes. And the pedals obviously have Velcro on the back. Now, let's review, John, Kevin's noise guitar setup. We have a tuner. You don't need that if you're playing noise. You can take that off your board, and um, that'll save you some space. Then we have a wah or a volume pedal. Then he's got that new, uh, I guess it came out a couple years ago, the Earthquaker Devices pedal that was made with, um, what's her name, from Boris. I think this is a special fuzz pedal that was designed with one of the guitarists from the J Japanese noise band, Boris. Um, then he's got an MXR Phaser, the kind of pedal that just has one button and one knob, and you get what you get. He's got an Eventide brand Tricera. I can't read this. I don't know what that is. What do we got here? Anyway, let's move on. Then he's got that reissue of the Boss Space Echo, the legendary uh, tape echo delay unit made by Boss that had actual analog tape running through it. Boss made their made a version that doesn't have the tape. I assume it's digital. Maybe it's analog. Anyway, just like a really sophisticated uh, echo delay. So actually, when looking at this board, I will say it's not a lot of pedals for a noise guitarist. So good for you, Kevin. You're going to let your talent do the talking, whereas I always let the technology do the talking. Anyway, thanks for writing in. John, I'm going to keep going because I think you're still looking at Mecklenburg County statistics. Laura writes in and says, please enjoy this bird song I recorded all the way down in Auckland, New Zealand. I think it's a Tui and it's a regular daily friend near our house. Tuis are also known for mimicking the sounds that washing machines make at the end of a cycle. What? Yeah. Let me That's listen cool. to this real quick. 
And we're back. That's, mu- that's much more mellow than I thought any animal in New Zealand would sound. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> what do you thought that they would sound chaotic? John, I'll continue because um, I'm on a roll. Timothy wrote in with a question, I think, for you, John. What do you think of the Vancouver-British Columbia skyline? In particular, have you seen it since the construction of Vancouver House? What do you think about this modern love for silly skyscrapers? I, I like it. I think it's, you know, I think, you know, it's got this weird curve and it looks like it's something that you would see in cities skyline, you know, and not something in real life. Um, oh, do you mean SimCity, the video game? No, the, the, there's a there's a like a, a game where you can build cities. It's called Cities Skyline. Is there a colon in there? There is. Okay, good. Thank God. I was yeah. yeah I was not feeling yeah. good it's, about it's, that. It's a strange, strange. You know what? I think you you remember. You, you need to do a better job describing this building because it's really fucked up looking to me. Okay. Timothy says I'm generally pro whimsy, but the Vancouver house stresses me out. It's basically a square or rectangle building that has been twisted to a um, you know a bit of an angle. And it looks like it will probably fall over. But uh, in recent years, they've you know discovered new technologies and they can build these type of weird buildings. And I think as long as there aren't too many of them, I don't really have a problem with it. Hmm. Just like people you know, have a problem with these super skinny buildings, although actually I'm going to contradict myself here. Uh-oh. I really did not like the super skinny buildings when they started out. But as there have been a few more... I'm starting to be okay with it because it's starting to not look as crazy. It's like mm. they're filling out the skyline for what it is. You know, that is probably the future. So, wow. You're telling me that the future in the future skylines will be sillier? Is that what's going to happen? We're going to have whimsical skylines? Well, that's where we are right now. I, I don't think it's going to be that way everywhere. It has to be a city that is, you know, pretty world class. Because these buildings are expensive. Because the engineering is so crazy? That's right. So you can do it in New York where you have billionaires and you can do it in in Vancouver. Uh, I don't think you can do it in Atlanta or uh, Dallas or Charlotte. Those just cities, the cost of living is just not that high. So It wouldn't justify the expense of making a silly or whimsical super That's price. Right. Okay, got as much it. as I'd love to see it, it just it doesn't make economic sense. So That's interesting. What is the most whimsical skyline? Or the cra- the cr- just the craziest skyline. Oh, I mean, all these Asian skylines are nuts. Remember when we went to Shanghai and it was just like, this skyline looks like it was designed by an 11-year-old boy. And they were just like, yeah, let's make it. These are cool sketches. Yeah. I mean, I think Hudson Yards in New York kind of looks like that now. It just looks yeah. kind of ridiculous. The crazy bird's nest thing that they plopped yeah. down. I, yeah. That looks like not so nice to me. That's, but it's the opposite of whimsical. It looks menacing because it, like, um, uh. it looks like Klingons tried to be whimsical. You know, to try to trick us or something. I don't know. Right. Anyway. Anyway. Vancouver, not tall. No? Not a tall. I think Vancouver was one of the last cities in North America to get a 500-foot tall skyscraper. And it was like in the last 10 years. Come on, Vancouver. Really? It's not that tall because they don't want to, you know, mess up the mountains. They got that. Oh, right. They have mountains. Yeah, that's nice then. Yeah, it's good. Okay. It's back to loving Vancouver. Yeah. All right, John, I've run out of things to discuss. All right. 
uh, Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. And if you sign up for Patreon, you'll receive some wonderful EPM stickers in the mail. You'll also get an invite code to our private Discord. Send your election prediction questions, skyline requests, bird recordings, poems about skylines. Yeah, poems about skylines. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Happy New Year. It's going to be a hell of a year, guys, but we'll have fun, too, because we'll be here. Your friends, John and Davey. Goodbye. Bye. Happy New Year.